Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Awesome. Everybody doing good? You guys doing good today? Go ahead and, and, uh, and welcome uh, all of our locations right now and everybody watching online, Orange Park and Julington Creek. Great to be with you guys uh, today. So, so let me tell you about today. I want to I wanna share around the offering for just a few moments. And I really want to share around it in context of, of being a family, being a spiritual family. And then uh, as we uh, get into God's word today, I'm, for the next probably four or five weeks, I'm really going to kind of go into a, a teaching mode here. Um, I really feel like there's some essential things that God wants to deposit in us. And um, so I'm not going to teach for long today, but we are going to go over uh, some scriptures and it's going to kind of be more teaching. And come on, pastor's going to get his voice healed because y'all know how I like to scream. So I'm going to kind of get in a teaching vibe and, and, and maybe try to keep my shouting to a minimum. I can't stop it altogether, but... Um, let me, let me talk about, uh, just, um, just tithing for just a moment in the context of, of covenant in the context of spiritual family. So how many of you have noticed if you've pretty much been coming to celebration church this year that we do not pass the offering buckets? Have y'all noticed that? Okay. <laughs> well, the reason, watch the reason that we don't pass uh, offering buckets um, is not become, you, might, you know, maybe you're new to celebration. You think like, wow, man, they don't even take up an offering. The, you know, man, this church must be set up. You know, I guess there's some mothership denomination that just, you know, <laughs> sends funds uh, all the time. But, uh, but that's not the case. Um, everything that we, now watch, when I say we, I'm talking about us. We're a spiritual family, okay? Everything that we do here in Jacksonville and around the world, every single building, every single outreach, feeding every one of those over 25,000 kids in Zimbabwe, all of our locations, everything that we build, guess what? Is done through the tithes and offerings of our spiritual family, okay? That's you guys. So give God a big, big hand. And uh, I can't wait to share next, next week, we're going to share with you some really, really exciting things about how God has, uh, has blessed our spiritual family and just some, just some amazing uh, miracles there. But the reason that we don't pass those buckets is because I just really feel like that once we understand that we're not just in a personal relationship with Jesus, but we're in a covenant personal relationship with Jesus, once we understand covenant, I just think that things like tithing, it just ought to be, man, it's, it's an act of praise to God. It should never be forced. It should never be pressure. Is everybody hearing what I'm saying? Because it's, it's out of this relationship, watch, uh, with God and then with one another. It's a way where we have things in common, all things in common. So, so when we're able to do things and meet needs and outreach and all that, that's all of you guys doing that, all of us doing that, right? And so let me just unpack how this ties into 
covenant real quick. Now remember this, the purpose of covenant is family. Can I go back? I don't wanna do that just yet. Go back, I just wanna tie it into covenant. Everybody say this, the pur purpose of covenant is family. All God has is ours and all we have is his. Yeah, that was kind of the prayer that we prayed here today. That's covenant, it's family. And we've gone over this before, but I just wanna remind you of the components of a covenant. Covenant is a way that two people, groups or parties or whatever, that they're not family by blood. Covenant is how they become family with all the realities of family. But how many of you know we're all family by the blood of Jesus, yes? Yeah? So we're really family. So put those, the, the, those five things up there. So we've talked about this before. So there's the parties involved. Come on, that's us. And, and God through Jesus. There's the promises and oaths. Come on, the promise of Jesus, of eternal life and to be faithful and, and, and we're his people. We've talked about that before. There's always a blood sacrifice. Covenant is the highest form of bond. It's the highest form of loyalty and relationship. This is in the ancient Near East. The other uh, countries and peoples did this as well back in the uh, ancient Near East. There's a blood sacrifice. There's the exchanging of gifts. And then there's acts of remembrance. Okay? So come on. God gave us his firstborn, his only son, a blood sacrifice. Right? Jesus promised us through oath the eternal life. He'll never leave us for forsaken. Come on, then God sent the gift of the Holy Spirit. How about that? He gives us gifts from on high. Now watch. Acts of remembrance. So this is where both of us have practices. Some could call it a sacrament. Some could call it um, uh, these these, these holy practices that are acts of remembrance, watch, that remind us that we're in covenant relationship with God, that all that we have are his, but all he has is ours. Come on, how many of you know that's a pretty good deal? Right there, that's a good setup. But we're family, okay? We're, we're together, all right? So with that in mind, watch this. Put, uh, put um, the scripture up there. So this is the, the story of the woman that, uh, that was putting her money in what's called the sadaka, the righteousness box, okay? And this was at the temple. Okay, look, it says, and he, Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury, look at this, and watched the people putting money into the offering box. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? Jesus goes there to watch how people are walking in covenant with God in relationship to their giving. He's watching them. Look what happens. It says, many rich people put in large sums, and then a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, so he's gonna make a lesson right here. He says, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. Watch, he's not putting down the people that had more money and put in more monetarily. He's emphasizing this aspect of covenant. Look what he says. He says, for, look, for, look, for they all contributed out of their abundance, 
But she, out of her poverty, look at this. She has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. This is what Jesus is saying here. This, he's saying this is what covenant was all, is all about. This woman understood, watch. She gave me everything. She gave me all that she had. But what she knows is she also has all that I have. This woman knows, look, I've got this money. I've, I've God, God, everything I have is God's, but everything God has is mine. And guess what? I don't have a lot anyway, so I'm gonna make an exchange here. I'm gonna give to God, and God is gonna give me back so much more. Watch, not out of greed, not out of wanting more, but because she understands covenant. It is a two way, it's, it's two parties. That's why we don't pass buckets, okay? We have these boxes like they had there in the temple. I mean, they look different, but it says tithes and offerings, thanksgiving and praise. Enters gates with thanksgiving is course of praise. Sadaka, it means righteousness, okay? This is an act of righteousness. What does the Bible say? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need will be added unto you, okay? So watch this, and then um, we're gonna, I'm gonna close this out, but watch. So these acts of remembrances, okay? So one really important ceremony, there's really three things that the church, I'm talking about God's church, continually practices or comes together and partakes of or witnesses, okay? First of all, there's water baptism. All right, what happens in water baptism? Water baptism is our initiation ceremony, what? Into the family of God. You've surrendered your life to Jesus like many people did down here today. What do you need to do? Jesus was made a public spectacle on the cross. So guess what? God wants you to take your decision and go public with him. Yeah? It's not private. Your relationship with God is personal. It's not private. So what does he ask you to do? Come on, you don't have to die on the cross, but what he, you, he does say, if we're gonna be in covenant, you have to, to you gotta represent, you've gotta go. And you go under that water, you're identifying with me, you're actually being crucified with me, everybody is seeing there, that is part of you being a witness. And it, pertain, it pertains to an open heaven. Jesus came up, that's a whole nother message, how it creates an open heaven over your life. The other thing we know about is the Lord's table, communion. Jesus actually said, do this what? In remembrance of me. Okay, that act of remembrance is going back to the, the, the Last Supper when Jesus gave those promises, those oaths to the disciples. This is the blood of the new covenant. This is my body that was broken for you. So what do we do as a church family? What we do is we come together, watch this. We remember that Jesus died for us, shed his blood, and his body was broken. So what, his body was broken so our body, the body of Christ, could be whole, right? Do this in remembrance of me. We remember his sacrifice, and in that process, we remember our members. We come together in wholeness, yeah? Do you see how all these acts of remembrance point back to covenant? It's a two-way. Even though you might only get water baptized one time, what do we do? We're always out there seeing people being new. We had them last service. We have them every single service. Some of those people that came down here today, they'll go out there and be water baptized. Come on, as many as we can, we need to stop by and watch that. Yeah? 
because they're family, because we're family, because we're covenant. Nothing in the kingdom of God is just vertical. It's vertical and horizontal. We show our love for God by our love for one another. Yeah? Okay, so watch. So at communion, that's why it's important. What do we do at communion? We make sure we're right with God. And then what else do we, or we have an unforgiveness against anyone. Is there anything blocking our open heaven? We get part of that at water baptism. Another part is at communion because we don't want to harbor unforgiveness. Or do we have pride or prejudice or racism? Did we learn something at our natural table that Jesus doesn't want at his table? Because we're all equal, we're all important, we all have value, we are all family, real family, by the blood of Jesus. Yeah? So watch, what is, what is tithing, okay? Well, God, what did God give us? He gave us his firstborn. He doesn't ask for our firstborn, but what he asks for is our first fruits. We could never repay God for all he's done for us. We can never give back everything that God's done for us. But what is God? We're in relationship. So I gave my firstborn son. God asks for us, look, in remembrance, I want you to bring me your first fruits or the first part of your income. That's the tithe. It's the first 10%. Are you following me? That's how God that's how we communicate covenant. And in that, like we have a needs wall in there. I don't know how many needs we have. I mean, they all got, we have everything, people that need cars, people that need legal help, people that need steel-toed boots because they just got a new construction job. Maybe you have a need. If you have a need, put that need up on the needs wall. And guess what? Someone in our church is gonna meet it. I think we've met almost every need. Most of them got taken. That's what that needs wall is for. So watch. In your seats, you see this card? It's a mobilization card. Can you put that up there? In the next few weeks, we're going to be mobilizing. This, let me tell you what this is. This is you saying, yes, Stovall. Celebrate. This is my spiritual family. I'm part of this family. Listen, we, no one's going to hound you, but I've got to give, me and our team, we've got to give an account to God for your soul. Do you see? So we want to know, know you. We want to know, you know, we're about to go to this mobilization phase. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray over your business, over your neighborhood, over where you're at. Carrie and I have a Devo, morning mobilization Devo we're giving you access to. We're gonna teach you how to do uh, communion in your home or to your family and friends. We're gonna teach you how to help walk your friends and family to their assignment. I'm, the things that I'm about to teach, don't worry, I'm not gonna teach long today, only 20 minutes, but then I'm gonna ask for five more and then we'll close. You're gonna be able to teach all these things. We're all witnesses. Okay, and so this is part of the mobilization where we're taking what God's doing in here and what, these, what the testimonies are gonna start happening is, you know what? You're gonna say, man, I was at my job and, and you know, I know the church was praying over me and Pastor Stovall that morning on the mobilization Devo, he said this, and then God led me to do this and then this miracle happened and that miracle happened and you're gonna start seeing, watch, the supernatural favor and power of God in your home, in your family, in your work, like never before.
So we need you to fill these out. If you're saying, yes, this is my spiritual family and I want prayer, I want to be mobilized, all that kind of stuff, okay? Um, if you haven't filled one out yet. And then also look, if you're not tithing, okay? And now you understand I'm part of a spiritual family. Most of our church gives online. Show, show the, it's so easy. You can text, you can go online. That's how most people do it. Or you can actually give at the box through, you know, whether it's your, you know, debit card. We don't want you to get in debt, but some of y'all like points, your credit card or your debit card or check or whatever. But even if you're, if like you're gonna begin to tithe, here's, here's why we do this. We just wanna pray. We, I mean, we, we take these seriously. I pray over these in our staff meetings. So if you, there's a thing at the bottom that talks about the tithing challenge. If you're gonna begin to tithe, circle that and just say, I'm gonna start tithing. And when the buckets come around, we are passing buckets for a few weeks because we're collecting information. This is the back to school time. It's the easiest way to collect information for mobilization, who's active in our church, all that kind of stuff. Drop these in the bucket when it comes by. We'll do it for a few weeks, and then we're back to our normal, uh, just having the box up there because it's covenant. Let me just ask you this. If you surrendered your life to Jesus, would you refuse to be water baptized? If you surrendered your life to Jesus, would you refuse to take communion at the Lord's table? then why would you refuse to tithe? Refusing to be water baptized, refusing to take communion, refusing to tithe, they're all, it's all the same thing in different forms. These are the sacred practices of how we express loyalty and covenant relationship to God and understand that we're all in a family. Can I have a good amen? So thank you. Thank you, because we're gonna wait till you hear next week all that God's doing and all that. So I'm gonna pray, and we are gonna pass buckets for a few weeks so we can get in the mobilization cards and, and, and people that are saying, yeah, I'm gonna commit to tithing uh, and, and all that good stuff, okay? You ready, John, and you're gonna give us some announcements? Don't worry, I know we're going long, but my message is real short, all right? It really is this time, okay? It is. Father, we just come in the name of Jesus. Lord, those mobilization cards, the tithe envelopes, Lord, I just thank you. We're in covenant relationship. We're a family, Lord. And God, we're just excited to be in your family. Everything that we have is yours. And everything that you have is ours. Thank you for your blessing and favor on your people, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Man, it's been a <laughs> it's been a full morning already, hasn't it? It has, it has. So uh, those the the buckets are going by. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm getting in a teaching flow. I really am. I'm going to teach for about 20 uh, minutes. What I'm going to ask you is I'm going to ask you to lean in. Okay, uh, we're going to start going through Hebrews six one through three. We're going to talk about these essential. These are essential principles that every single believer needs to be grounded in so they can grow in maturity uh, 
in Jesus, okay? So I wanna put it up there, Hebrews chapter six. Hebrews chapter six, verses one through three. Look what it says. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. Everybody say elementary principles. So this is foundation. I've told you all before, you know, it was embarrassing earlier in the year when I was reading this and I realized that, man, I have not done a thorough series on these very elementary principles that the Bible is clear, absolutely necessary for his family to be grounded in if they're gonna go on to maturity. So it says, uh, let, let's, let's get past this, let us go on to perfection. But in order to do that, here's what we need to have covered. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. So today for the next 20 minutes, lean in, take notes if you can. We're gonna talk about this, these first couple here of foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. Father, we just thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you in these next 20 minutes, your word is gonna do the work and we, uh, we're just excited for getting grounded in your word, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So talking about repentance, I wanna remind everyone that this is talking about repentance from dead works. And while, of course, it would include, you know, sin and wicked works, it's really talking about dead works, okay? So an easy definition of repentance, okay? Repentance, and we talked about it when people came forward today. Repentance is a change of mind, that leads to a change of heart, that leads to a change in direction. Does everybody see that? The Greek word is more of the mind, the Hebrew word is more of the heart. It's a change of mind, a change of heart that leads to a change of direction. We go from being self-directed to God-directed. Think of the prodigal son, right? He came to his senses. You know what, he had a change of mind, man. You know, it's my father's good. What did he do? He had a change of heart. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back. No matter what, what he changed directions. He moved towards the Father's house. That's one of the awesome things about having an altar and why the altar is so important. Why? Because when you come to the altar, many times you're changing your direction. The altar is coming to God. The altar is, you're, you're saying for God. And when we repent, what we're doing is like we talked about last week, what, we're letting our past be our past. Don't let your past be your future. That's a sad thing about suicide. People, they, they take their own lives, they're in so much despair, and they think by doing that, they're killing their past. They're not killing their past, they're killing their future. God has a future for you, there's hope for you. All he requires is, look, you just repent and move forward, and he's there for you. Jesus first, the first thing he said in Matthew 4, 17 was repent and believe the gospel. Peter said in Acts 3, 19, that, that repent so your sins can be blotted out, and times of refreshing can come. And I know in the body of Christ, there's a lot of great teachers and preachers and you know, people preach about all kinds of stuff. But I'm just telling you, if repentance is not in some way, shape or form in a minister's overall ministry, then he's not a biblical minister. I'm just helping you out, all right? Bump your neighbor and say, he's helping you. <laughs> so watch this. But now we're talking about dead works, okay? Twice in Paul's epistles, he refers to dead works. In Hebrews 6, 1, he writes about repentance from dead works. While in Hebrews 9, 14, he declares that the blood of Christ 
of, is, is, is available to us to purge our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So like I said, when we talk about repentance from dead works, it's not just talking about sin and, and wicked things, okay? These references are talking about dead works. Here's the definition. Dead works are the so-called good works, whether moral, religious, or humanitarian, which men try to do to make themselves acceptable to God or to appease their conscience. Those are dead works. Even so-called good things, but we're doing them in a way where we're trying, and the, and the best way kind of in our culture that, that you can think about it is, is people do them in comparison. So they look at what they're doing and think, you know, well, you know, I do this and I kind of do that or, or, or you know, th these good things and help out with this, you know, and I'm not as bad as that person. That guy's a really, you know, that, that it's what happens is this. So we kind of start to compare ourselves. Well, maybe in the overall scope of things, you know, I'm not a terrorist. I'm not a whatever. So in the overall scope of things, do you see what I'm saying? What you're relying on is your own good works or things that you do to try to appease your conscience. Listen, the Bible says all of our righteousness is of filthy rags. Watch this. You're not saved by works. You're saved for good works. But the good works that God has for you are those that are from faith and wrought in the love of God and carry an eternal reward, all right? Is that helping anybody? Look, these works are dead because they're not the product of regeneration or spiritual life, but just an attempt to justify oneself before God in comparison with others or appease their conscience without faith in Christ. Okay, and Paul's a great example because he was this great Pharisee and all this stuff. He had done all these works. And he said, you know, I count all those things rubbish. I count them lost. I realize that righteousness, it can't do anything for me. I need the righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus. Amen? Dead works are not acceptable to God since they are the fleshly substitute for the faith that he desires. Listen, Hebrews eleven six. For without faith, it is impossible. Everybody say impossible. Impossible to please God. The only good works that are acceptable, acceptable to God are those that are a result or a byproduct of our faith. Faith without works is what? Dead, okay? So when we talk about these things like tithing and all these different things, look, you don't do those to get covenant, you do those because you have covenant. It's the outworking of your faith. The reason that we meet needs, what, is not to earn brownie points with God. The reason that we wanna meet needs is why? Because we love God and we love one another. That is the outworking of our faith. Is everybody hearing me on that? Okay, so repentance from dead works, we have that. Now let's talk about faith towards God. Hebrews 11, one through three. Are y'all tracking? I'm gonna be done in 12 minutes. And then I'm gonna ask you for three more minutes, but I'll be done in 15 minutes, okay, watch. Are you following? I need you to lean in. Look, now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand, this is verse three here, many Christians hear that, you know, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, but watch. It's also connected to your ongoing testimony. And look at verse three, this is the one we leave out. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, the worlds, the cosmos, the universe, 
was framed by the word of God. Look at this. So that the things which are seen were not, were, were not made of the things which are invisible. In other words, the unseen made the seen. The word of God created the cosmos, the universe, everything that we know. You know, one of my favorite channels is the science channel. You know, I love the science channel because I love how the better technology gets, the more things line up with the word of God. And they come out and they say, well, you know, we thought this, but now we got this new DNA or we got this new satellite or we got this new whatever it is, genetic. So, so now we think this. And I'm like, uh-huh. You ready for this? So in looking for the God particle and the X factor of how the big bang came and they're saying there's this X factor with matter and antimatter, nothing should be held together. We can't solve the scientific equation. So they started researching it. Guess what they just said? We think that whatever's holding the universe together, it's connected to a sound wave. Yeah, that's right, because God spoke and a sound came. Oh, I wish you'd just give God a, a two-minute science praise. Nothing in, nothing in, the, in, 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 in the Bible, contra, I mean, Genesis 1, 1, 2, God created the heavens and the earth. So how long were they here before he created this world? Billions of years? There's nothing in, you, did y'all know that, y'all don't even know this. <laughs> Do you know they've disproven evolution? This is not Christian conspiracy, Google it. You know why? Because DNA and genetics technology have gotten so well that they've been able to take the very foundation of Darwin's theory that after the, uh, the amino acid rock or whatever, there was a single cell organism. Follow me. And the whole foundation of Darwin's deal is that single cell organism eventually multiplied to a multi-cell or a double cell. I don't have the scientific language. Google it, okay? <laughs> well, guess what? With DNA and genetics and all the things we have, we can recreate a single cell. We have a single cell organism. They've been trying for 10 years to get single cell organisms to multiply. They put them through everything. They put them through conditions a million times more favorable than the primordial earth would have been. But here's the problem. The, I think it's the number of proteins that a single cell has is like 20 something. If they double, they can only go to 40 something, but to have a multi-cell organism, you have to have 60 something. It doesn't work. It's been disproven. Do you see what I'm saying? They know right now, this is the University of Chicago proved because of the technology we have on the brain. They proved we didn't come from apes. They said, we can show you that less than 50,000 years ago, something traumatic happened to the human brain where in an instant, it like tripled in capacity. Are you following me? I'm saying this for, for, be, be, because of this, okay? Part of faith is believing that what God says about the world and God's worldview and God's perspective, that is the truth. Not what 
I don't care what other philosophies teach you. I majored in world religion and philosophy, secular, in college. It doesn't matter what this world philosopher tells you, what this religious leader tells you, what this political agenda tells you. I'm telling you at the end of the day, I'm betting on Jesus. I'm putting, I'm Jesus. Jesus is the one. You put those people up against Jesus, they ain't holding a candle to Jesus. I was listening to some guy rant and rave about something and da 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 da. I can't even, you know, his, his last name was uh, Smith. And I'm thinking, wow, am I going to be a Smith? Am I going to believe in Smithism? Anybody can just spouse off their view. Who are you going to follow? Smith wasn't raised from the dead. Smith's going to bow his knee and give an account to Jesus. I'm going with Jesus. No offense if your last name is Smith. You know what I'm saying. That scripture up there. Here's what we're ready. You ready? I'm coming fast at you. Faith is a substance. It's a substance of things hoped for. In the unseen, faith is a substance. I can't see it, the evidence of things not seen, but I can see the evidence of it. Yeah? My friends that knew me, when I say I have faith in God, well, they can't see the substance of my faith, but they see the evidence of a changed life. It's like Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes, you can't see the Holy Spirit, it's like the wind but you can tell it's there. You see what I'm saying? I can't see the wind, but if I go outside and I see the trees swaying this way, I'm saying there's some wind and it's coming from that direction. When people see you believe the word of God, regardless of your circumstances, when they see the peace of God in the midst of a trial, when they see you loving your enemies, when they see you forgiving people that have hurt you, when they see you trusting God through pain, oh, they can't see the substance of the faith. But man, there's some evidence. Are you all ready? I'm giving you four things right here. Faith is believing in that. Whoop, whoop, whoop. We have faith in God as we believe him for things and are loyal to him through things. Yeah? So our faith is in God. Our faith is in the person of Jesus. And yes, we believe God for things. We also are loyal and believe God through things, but we need to remember, it's not faith in faith, it's faith in the person of Jesus. Watch, faith is believing and acting on what God's word says and presents regardless of any other worldviews, my natural senses or circumstances. That's faith. It's the biblical worldview. And can I say this? Listen, everything in God's word matters. Do you understand that, that like God could have filled up libraries with his word? Libraries with his word. But God, he condensed what we need for faith down to one book or one manual composed of 66 books. Do you understand he could have filled this room and filled libraries 
And I mean, wouldn't it be like, you know, I think my, my dad's an attorney and there's a place in his office, it's just books, 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 books. Just, I, I remember just as a young man going in there and looking, thinking, man, I ain't gonna be no lawyer because I'm not reading all these books. God condensed everything down. So everything in the word of God matters. It's all relevant. It's all matters. It's all important. Can you give him a hand for that? Watch this. Faith is anchored in our hope. I'm about to tie in hope and love to this. Faith is anchored in our hope in the person of Jesus. Faith is believing in the unseen realm. It's believing in the unseen realm that the Bible presents to us. Now let me talk to you about hope and faith. 2 Corinthians 4.15, it says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Can anybody relate? Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So what do we do? We fix our eyes on what is seen. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is what? Unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I can say it this way. What is seen is temporal, fading away, and eventually won't be real. The unseen is real and eternal and will be becoming more real, more reality. Are you following me? Watch, our hope is the certain expectation of our future reality. It's not like, hey, I hope, you know, I hope this restaurant's open. I hope the Jags win. I hope this, that's how we use hope. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is the certain expectation of our future reality. I want you to think of it this way. Faith is the action Hope is the anchor. Yeah? Hebrews 6, 16 through 20. I'm almost done. Hebrews 6, 16 through 20. Look at this. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. Remember covenant? Yeah? Purpose of covenant in his family? It's right here. So that by two unchangeable things, that which it is impossible for God to lie, we have fled for refuge. Look, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the what? Hope that is set before us. The only way that you give power to the enemy is by believing the lie. Whether it's coming from some worldview whether it's coming from your own mind, whether it's coming from your circumstances, whether it's coming from your natural situation, what did he do? He went to the garden, he said, did God say that? Is that what God's word really says? If he could just move Adam and Eve off that word, if he could just present them with a different worldview, if he could just kind of make seem God just too, maybe a little bit too unreasonable, if he can move you off the word, that's how he gets authority. Look at this, next one. I love this, look, we have this hope as a sure and steadfast, what? Anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. 
Let me say this. What we hope for is anchored on the other side of the veil. Our faith is on this side of the veil and it keeps us tied to what we hope for on the other side of the veil and what is made available to us now from the other side of the veil. God's heaven into our earth. Let me show it to you this way. We hope, right? Our hope. Put that, can you put Hebrews up there again? What are you doing? I got a big old knot. Put Hebrews. No, the next verse. I'm closing with this, don't worry. Look. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. What is biblical hope? It's a certain expectation in the reality of the person of Jesus and in the future. Look at this. We have this assured, steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone. So watch this. A lot of times we think of, of hope as the anchor of our soul. It's like we think of an anchor going to the bottom of the ocean and you know we get tossed to and fro, but it kind of keeps us centered. That's a terrible analogy. Because that's reactionary, like Jesus keeping us anchored and we're being blown around. You know what I'm saying? No, watch. Our hope is anchored in the person of Jesus in the heavens or the heavenly realm or the unseen realm. Look, look, faith is like the rope. This is the substance that you can't see. Watch. It's like a, it's like a rope. So look, what faith does, put the, put the next thing up there. Faith, put the statement up there. Faith keeps us moving toward the future. Our hope is anchored in the future. Things that God's going to do and bring us in our future while on earth, but in fulfillment, come on, when we get to the other side of heaven. So watch this. Man, that's a strong anchor behind that. Watch, that's Jesus. Faith is my rope. And I, I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith. Do you see? Well, my circumstance is telling me one thing. My emotions are telling me another thing. Other people are trying to bring me this worldview. But you know what? I know whom I have believed. I know where my hope is. I know where my, watch this. I know where my, look at this. Oh. But I hit an obstacle. Hmm. When I'm not, I'm not moving. Maybe if I just can just stay here, I'll tie a knot around there. But then sometimes it feels like I'm going backwards. Anybody ever felt like they're going backwards? They're going backwards. But what they didn't know is God's just giving them some slack so they can reposition. Come on. God's giving them slack. He's like, this is not the way. That's not the way. You, you've hit this challenge. You're gonna learn a lesson. 
You're going to learn a lesson right there? Come on. In fact, that's where you got stuck. You kind of tie a knot there. See, the rope of our faith, it's full of knots. You know what those knots are? Those knots are the times you were you got stuck. Those knots are the time you got knocked down. But instead of giving up, you held on tighter. And then sometimes it feels like it feels like you're you're going, you're going back. But my soul's anchored in Jesus. What's he doing? He's repositioning me. He's repositioning me. What? Here comes a breakthrough. Come on. I got, watch. You following me? See, faith, faith can be a struggle. That's why it says perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. There's a struggle in faith. There's an expectation in faith. I've got to learn how to overcome. I've got to, God has to teach me that you look, you relied on your senses here. You shouldn't have done that. So now you're going to rely on me. I'm going to reposition you. Watch. We getting breakthrough now. I'm moving forward. Oh. Then he teaches us. Oh. See, sometimes faith feels like an uphill climb. But that's because you're going to another level. somebody would stand up and give God I wish somebody would stand up and give God a two minute praise break oh yeah I'm going to another level and it feels like an uphill climb but you know what the steps not the leaps we want to leap up to the next level. God says, no, the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Come on, it's breakthrough. I'm moving forward. I'm getting healed. I'm knowing Jesus. I'm maturing. Man, I'm getting closer and closer. Hello, Jesus. Come on, give God a hand one more time. Faith. Faith is the rope, it's the action. Our hope in our Jesus, hope in the person of Jesus, that's the anchor of our soul. If you feel like you're going backwards, no, you hold on to that rope. God's just going to reposition you. Come on, so you can get to the next level. Whew. Stay standing, Father, in the name of Jesus. How many of you would say today, here's how I'm ending today. How many of you would say today, you just say, Stovall, I'm repenting of dead works and I'm putting faith in God. You might feel like you're going backwards. I'm telling you, God's repositioning you. Faith is a substance. It's the rope. It's the action. Faith is for the future. It's how we move forward.
It's how we're tied to Jesus. If you just say, Stovall, I'm walking out of here in covenant relationship with Jesus and I'm walking out of here in faith. Come on, I want you to raise up your hand. You're walking out of here in faith. In faith. In faith. We believe God for things. We go through things. The whole time we're in faith, attached to Jesus, the hope and the anchor of our soul. It brings heaven to earth. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, wherever we are in our walk of faith, Lord, whether we feel like we're going back, whether we feel like we're climbing up, Lord, whether it's a season of breakthrough, God, we thank you that in all things we are tied to you and we are moving forward in you. And what you do for one, you'll do for another. And we all have seasons of trial. We all have seasons of breakthrough. We all, it's, it's the walk of faith. And at the end of the day, Lord, we don't put our eyes on what's seen, but what's unseen, the eternal reward. And I thank you that as we do that, your heaven comes to our earth. I speak blessing, healing, and favor over every single person in our congregation, at all of our campuses. We give you all the thanks and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Come on, give God a big, big hand clap. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.